What's up, guys? Thanks for listening to the Palmetto State Sports Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, we've got a couple local sponsors to shout out really quick. All of today's sponsors are based out of South Carolina, so be sure to check these guys out. First off, SBH Barbecue. These guys are bringing in competition-style barbecue to Greenville. Located at 5021 Pelham Road, swing by and try out some of the best barbecue in the upstate. I've been there myself, and I'm telling you right now, it's some of the best barbecue you can get in the state of South Carolina. Soccer fans of South Carolina. The Greenville Triumph are taking over the USL League One, and they need your support. Check out GreenvilleTriumph.com for schedule and ticket information. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Rooted. Rooted is a branding and web design company based out of Greenville, South Carolina. From logos to websites, Rooted can provide your small business or startup with everything you need to build your brand. Finally, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships. If you're interested in MMA or boxing, it's a perfect blend. It provides you with brutal KOs, brutal punches, the blood, the gore, the stuff that you want to see. So make sure to go to bareknuckle.tv or bareknuckle.com to get tickets to the event. You can watch it on pay-per-view. It's $40. It's a great event. They always put on a wonderful show. David Feldman has something great brewing over at Bare Knuckle. So make sure you check out Bare Knuckle. All right, fellas and ladies, let's get this bad boy rolling. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. What's going on, guys? Welcome into episode two of the Palmetto State Sports Podcast. I'm Graham Farrell, and I'm here with my co-host, Jackson Fields. Sorry for the delay. It was a couple-week delay. We had stuff going on. Sports were a little bit slow. We're inching up right towards football season, so we are officially back, and I'm excited to get going. Today, obviously, a lot's been going on with stuff, you know, Clemson, South Carolina-wise. We've had drama with Tavian Feaster. We've had a little bit of Dabo and Kelly drama. Dabo and Mark, I think it's Mark Ryan drama, Tate Martell, Antonio Brown, and we got some recruiting updates coming for you. Also going to talk about our insane things we've seen on Twitter this week. It's an app that keeps on giving every single day of every second. So it's a beautiful app. Every week we're going to have something coming off there. But I'd like to start the show with talking about probably the most polarizing character in, you know, rivalry history and sometime Tavian Feaster. Uh, you know, started at Spartanburg High School. Uh, went to Clemson, took CJ Spiller's number 28 out of retirement. <clears throat> Asked CJ if he could use it. CJ said yes. He ended up not playing to his full potential injuries, you know, hindered him a little bit, but now he transfers to South Carolina. The fan base is completely torn apart. Nobody knows what to do. So, Jackson, what do you got on Tavian Feaster for me? So, um, I'm interested to hear your perspective on it, but I'll just go ahead and give you mine first. I think, you know, Carolina's obviously struggled in the running game uh, the last few seasons. Basically, since Marcus Lattimore and Mike Davis, they haven't really had a guy and I think if you go back and listen to Thomas Brown, his uh, introductory press conference, he talked about, he said, the guys in the room haven't, you know, done good enough. And they were looking to bring in a grad transfer running back. Just so happened that a guy, you know, from Spartanburg, obviously, at Clemson opened up. You know, Tavian wanted more playing time. He wanted a chance to start before, 
you know, his last season. And, uh, you know, the stars aligned and he's at Carolina now. And I think he immediately steps in and is the best running back in the room um, by a pretty wide margin. So you think he's better than Rico Dow? Yeah. Also, Rico Dado hasn't been healthy since his freshman year. Well, I know Todd Ellis has some very good Rico Dado, you know, voice <laughs> impressions. So it's always a pleasure to hear Rico Dado make a big play and Todd Ellis on the call. So that's one of my favorite things about the listening to South Carolina football games. That's my least favorite thing about listening to South Carolina football games. Down goes Boyd. Down goes Boyd. Um, yeah. So my my thing on Tavian is, it's like. If you're a guy, you're that good at football, you're that talented. Clemson uses a running back by committee. Tavian, or Travis Etienne's probably a Heisman candidate. He is. I don't think he'll win the Heisman by any means, but I think it's probably Trevor Lawrence's to lose. Uh, maybe two of Tagalole's to lose. But at the same time, you know, you're looking at getting probably, I'd say 10 carries a game. I'd say 8 to 10, 8 to 12. You mean carries. at Clemson? Yeah, it's Clemson. Tavian will probably get 8 to 12. Yeah. So it's like, you're playing for a contender, running behind a much better offensive line, a much more productive offense. You've already taken a guy's number out of retirement, which is like a pretty big deal for a school to let someone do. You know, Deshaun Watson took number four from Steve Fuller. Well, Deshaun Watson won a national championship and took the program to new heights. So, you know, justified he got number four. But I think after this, it's kind of like probably don't let guys that you know even if they're high four star five star recruits i don't care who they are probably just leave numbers retired from now on you know it, it's like the whole fan base that's another reason that they're kind of against tavian is because he took the number out of retirement you know like that's a big deal that's a cj spiller's one of the greatest players in clemson football history and you took his number and you transferred to the rival school so i, I don't i you know i'm not upset i think tavian made a great decision probably for himself to be you know, a, a, the the back, the running back in the running back room, the guy. So if that helps his draft stock, which he's a great running back, he's very elusive, he's great out of the backfield, he uh, he doesn't like pass blocking, he doesn't like pass protection, but he's a great runner, he's got great hands, he's got speed, he's a lot more powerful than he used to be. I think he's up to like 225. He's a big guy. He's a big guy, he's fast, he's a natural athlete, he's a track runner. I mean, he's going to be a stud. But you also have to get him to pass protect. And that's the hardest part with some guys is to getting them to buy into pass protection. And I, you know, if Dabo couldn't do it, I'd love to see Will Muschamp try and do it and Brian McClendon, but you never know. You know, it could happen. But I think it's a great move for South Carolina to get a guy like Tavian. So, yeah, I agree. And I think one thing is that I think the fans on both sides of the rivalry take it more seriously than, than some of the players do. Like, I don't think Tavian Feaster's main thing was oh, I'm going to transfer to South Carolina like it's the rival school. I think his main thing was where can I get the most carries um, to improve my NFL draft stock? Yeah, and I, let's be honest. He's not like a day one, day two guy. He's no, not at all. You can get on day three. He probably can contribute. He, he honest to God, is an every down back. But, uh, you know, I don't know if he's talented enough to be an every down back at the next level. Right, but he also – you said eight to ten carries a game at Clemson. He's probably getting – you know, 14 or 15 at Carolina along with, you know, six targets and he's going to be like the main guy. Obviously at Clemson, he would have gotten touches, but like it's Travis Etienne and then the rest of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Lynn J. Dixon actually was, there were talks that he might have jumped Tavian on the depth chart as well. So 
that kid's a he's a freak man he's long he's lanky he has a very unique running style he stays straight up but he's good he's really good and tavian i'm sure tavian still probably would have gotten 8 12 but you know it's what you do with the carries is what matters and if you think behind south Carolina's offensive line which has not been great the past couple seasons it's been better it has it's been the one of the stronger parts of the team i mean there's a lot of other stuff you can complain about I, I mean, I think there's a lot you can, you know, you went three and nine, like three, four years ago. I mean, that's five. Oh, it's three, three seasons ago. Four right. seasons ago. Four seasons ago. Okay. Four oh, well, so, Okay. Nice little jab there. It's okay. okay. And so Brandon, no, I'm just, when Brandon Shell was there, I mean, it was probably a pretty good offensive line, but I don't think right, right now it's a high caliber offensive line. I mean, I think Eric Walford's a really good coach though. And he's, he's shown that like he can take guys who might not be necessarily recruited and get them to play above their, you know, star ranking or, um, their talent level. Like the offensive line last year was, was pretty decent. Yeah. It's fine. We can okay. disagree. No, it's, no, we're going to absolutely disagree because you're using the classic. Oh, we get three star guys, but they play so much like four stars and five stars. That it's fine. Like we get guys that aren't good, but they play just like you know they're going to be drafted, even though they won't be drafted. I mean, that's my favorite take from a school. You know, I I, I love that take. It's it's the same thing. Guys from Wyoming, you know, we get two star guys every year, but they play just like four stars. That's I know, mean, we had we, we had a we had Zach, an offense. Zach Bailey was a top one hundred recruit. What happened to him? He's in the NFL now. We had three guys go to the NFL from last year's offensive line. One was drafted, and the two were un, undrafted free agents. But I mean, they're still you know in the NFL. Dennis Daly got drafted by the Panthers. Blake Camper got picked up by the Chargers, and Zach Bailey got picked up by I can I think the Buccaneers. Okay, so yeah, like I mean, if you sign an undrafted free agent contract, that's awesome. I'm glad you get picked up. Cole Stout got picked up by the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> you know, you can say that Clemson. Oh, he played like a four star, whatever you want. He got picked up. I don't think anybody's clamoring that he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. People get signed, you know, they have that guy, uh, Giuseppe or whatever his name is for the Cleveland Browns who slept in his car. I mean, it's not to make an NFL training camp. You have to be like one of a hundred and something guys. I, you know, if they make the team talk to me, I still would say that South Carolina's offensive line is not as good as Clemson's. Oh yeah, that's, that's fair. That's, well, I mean, I, I agree with you on that, of course, but I still think that I don't think the offensive line is going to hinder Tavian's, you know, uh, production in a significant way. So you don't think the SEC's, defensive line or that good anymore that's not what i said you're just i hate you you're just taking my argument out of context there i mean i i, th- I don't think that he's like a top end back but i still think he can be a guy who gets you know 800 rushing yards next year and 400 receiving yards and that's significantly better than what carolina has right now yeah absolutely i'm i'm agreeing with you in that way i was just saying my, my here's what i was i was posing a question and playing devil's advocate i was asking you do you think he would have done more with less carries at Clemson? If you have 10 carries in a Clemson offense compared to 14 carries in a Carolina offense, three, six, six targets a game, three targets a game in Clemson's offense, do you think he does more with less or do you think he does more at South Carolina with those – like with that? I think stats-wise he would, do, he would obviously do better at South Carolina just based on pure volume. But, you know, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I just think him being the feature back in an offense is going to be better when NFL teams look at him than if he's a backup to a guy that's younger than him. Okay, and we also have a fast fact from uh, Liam Smith, our producer. Liam, if you could just go ahead and drop your quick fact. Yeah, uh, we mentioned Cole Stout. His dad was my Uber driver. Great guy. 
does not believe in global warming. <laughs> Don't know how we got into talking about that, but we do not have similar stances on global warming. He, uh, another fun fact about him, he played for the Steelers, an athlete in his own right, was actually Terry Bradshaw's backup. Let me hold his Super Bowl ring. Uh, I just wonder how many people have got him as an Uber driver, and he gives them the same story, lets them hold the Super Bowl ring. Great experience. Ten yeah, that sounds like a sounds like a uh, eventful Uber ride. Great That's guy. I'm sure like father, like son. Both really cool guys showing off their rings, probably still at 60 and 27, respectively. So both cool, both cool moves, in my opinion, to do so. Hard to believe he's Uber driving in Greenville. Is it, is it Greenville he was in? Guess they stayed in Greenville yeah, after. Yeah, picked me up from downtown Greenville. Dropped me off off of Rupert Mountain. Great guy. Oh, okay. So Stout family is in good fortune with the podcast. We are family or fans of the Stout family. Um, I do want to move on to the next topic though. Just you know, quick hitter here, uh, Jackson. Who has been the standout? I'll do a standout camp freshman from Clemson's camp, but I'd like you to do one from South Carolina's as well. Well, obviously, you know, I haven't seen any practice, but I think the guy that I'm most excited for is Ryan Helensky, uh, which is an obvious and boring answer, but it's just the truth. Like you, we haven't had somebody like him coming in a long time and the reports from practice uh, from Gamecock central that he's looked sharp and accurate and he knows the playbook. And um, I am, I hope he makes either takes the starting job or makes Jake Bentley, you know, sweat a little bit gives him some competition this year because i'm very excited to see him in action and uh going forward in the next four years that he's here so just to kind of piggyback off that i could see a scenario i've actually said this all off season to where jake your south kind of schedule is so hard that jake bentley you know you might be down three touchdowns four touchdowns in a game and helensky comes in he you know maybe scores two score two times scores three touchdowns and he makes it look at least serviceable, maybe not comes back and wins a game. But I could certainly see a situation where he comes in, he makes some plays. You can't redshirt him. You can't redshirt a guy who probably be only be there three to four years. You got to keep him on the bench. You got to keep him active. So I could see a scenario where he comes in and he scores, you know, he throws two or three touchdowns. And people are like, well, you know, maybe start a quarterback controversy. I mean, also, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And last year when Bentley got hurt and Skarnakia had a good game against Mizzou, people were talking about it. If Bentley goes down this year and Alinsky comes in and plays well, I think there'd be even more of a conversation since Skarnakia was a senior and, you know, Jake had one more year. If Alinsky's a freshman and he comes in and plays really well, if Jake Bentley gets hurt, there could he could not give a starting job back. See, so, I mean, it's one of those things you just – you, you, want a, you want a quarterback controversy, in my opinion. A quarterback controversy is better for everybody. Yeah, it creates competition, which, you know, breeds better play. Exactly. So, I guess so I kind of have two fr- standout freshmen. Like, I, I haven't seen camp either. I, I covered it last year. I didn't cover it this year. But from what I've heard, you know, everybody that talks, uh, people say that Joseph Ngata right now is better than Mike Williams was as a junior in college. And Mike Williams was a top 15 pick, I believe, to the Chargers. I want to say he was top 15. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think he was so seventh. Seventh? Oh, top 10. Okay. I couldn't remember exactly what he was picked. I know he was pretty early, but p- people are saying that Justin Gata is better than him as a freshman. So you're saying a guy that's 18 years old is better than your superstar junior who was drafted in the top 10. I mean, that's just an insane con- – and th- these are coaches on the team that are saying things like that. And to just hear that you have a guy on your team 
who's physically and mentally ready to take on a role of Mike Williams when Mike Williams was 21, 22 on a national championship team, you know, you don't get guys coming in like that very often. But my other one I, I want to talk about is a guy that a lot of Clemson fans thought they shouldn't take. They basically were out on him. They're like, you know, he's not worth the offer. They missed on Jerion Ely, who went to Ole Miss, who was ended up he may have been a five star or high four star, but I think he was a five star. Yeah, he was a freak athlete, great running back, freak, great baseball player. Yeah, I was about to say he plays baseball too. Yeah, but apparently he bombed his senior year, so he's playing football now. But um so Mikey Dukes is a guy from Charleston, and he has been tearing it up in camp. He's a basketball player. He's got great hands. He's a great running back. And people are saying he is worth the offer and more. Like, he has just been an ab- on an absolute tear. He looks great. He's physically dominant. He runs great between the tackles. Like, these pretty high praise on a guy that everybody was kind of like, why are they offering? That's why, you know, when you're a national championship, you know, winner, contender, you trust your coaches. You always trust your guys. Also, Michael Williams was drafted seventh. That's confirmed. Yeah, and I feel like with uh, Joe and Gatto, it's just like another one in the line of freak athlete, really good Clemson wide receivers. I, I mean, it's like a new one. They sprout them up in Pickens, you know? Yeah, uh, he's from <laughs> California. He's from Folsom, California. But, yeah, Pickens is where they sprout them. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no, but I, J- Joseph and God is going to be really good. Frank Gladson is having surgery. He was another freshman from Florida. He's going to be really good. They said that he was at the same stage. Stanley Watkins lost his freshman season. So, I mean, er- most freshmen hit a wall, so I'm sure they will at some point this camp, but and like, are they going to play over T Higgins and Justin Ross? No, I, I don't think they will, but Joseph and God has been cross training at all three wide receiver positions. So right now he could play all three, which if you're that intelligent to learn all three positions, in one camp, you know, you're you're a pretty good receiver. You're 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 mentally wise, you're pretty smart, you're fo- you have a high football IQ. Also, you know, do, I mean there's just been a lot of drama, Clemson and South Carolina wise this week. A lot of state drama. I mean, when you have a team that wins the national championships, you're that comes with drama. But He's the most it, arrogant fan I've ever met in my life. That's not I'm not a fan. So, <laughs> okay, a journalist. Yeah, I'm not a fan. You're a fan. But so here's the thing. Is it Right now, I feel like the media is sort of trying to paint Dabo as a villain. I think if you're on top long enough, you become the villain, right? No, like, I do not. I disagree with you completely. I think that the media loves Dabo. You don't think they've turned on him completely in the past couple of weeks? His SEC comments, his ring. Yeah, but, like, but, you talk, but you're talking about like Paul Feinbaum, who's never going to be on Team Dabo? I'm just saying that the media starts to turn when you're on top for so long. Not everybody's going to love you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're on top. Everybody's, like, sick of it. They're tired of it. And I don't think that's happened yet, though. I mean, it might. I, I, think think it's cur- I think it's currently happening. Kelly Bryant was on the team for four or five games. Why does he deserve a national championship ring? Okay, so for people who didn't hear about this, um, you want to explain what happened? No, you go ahead and explain. Smart All right. <laughs> so, uh, Kelly Bryant uh, left Clemson, transferred after four games when – Dabo gave the starting job to Trevor Lawrence, who, which was the right decision, obviously. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is significantly better than, than Kelly Bryant was at that point. And uh, he transferred to Missouri, and there was some controversy when, you know, Dabo – I don't know how it came out, but Dabo didn't give him – send him a championship ring. He was asked about it, and he was like, well, I mean, he left. Why, why would he deserve a championship ring? And, you know, I kind of agree with him. Like, I, I don't 
I don't understand. Like, Kelly Bryant left. He wasn't forced off the team. He could have stayed and been Trevor's backup in case he got hurt, which he did the week after Kelly Bryant left or was not uh, not starter anymore. And he wasn't – he could have stayed and been, got a national championship ring, but he chose to leave. And I don't understand why even Kelly Bryant would want a championship ring. Like, he wasn't on the team. It makes no sense. He came out and said he didn't care. Right. Like it's I'm, like I'm crude. Right now, it's the media painting Dabo. Dabo's been on top now for a while. It's the media. The media doesn't like people when you win consistently. If you win one time, it's a great story. I mean, but I saw, I mean, it was kind of split. Like I saw a lot of people who said they agree with Dabo. And then there were some people who said that Kelly, he should have given it. And it was petty, like Paul Feinbaum. And I disagree with him on this. Yeah. And that's fine. But I'm telling you, the media is going to start painting Clemson as villains. They were. Like, for the longest time, Clemson was the underdog story. They're not an underdog anymore. Everybody loves an underdog. Nobody likes you when you're consistently on top. Although, like I said, Kelly Bryant doesn't deserve a ring. There are Clemson fans that say that if Kelly didn't play in the Texas A&M game, that Clemson loses and Trevor wasn't ready for the lights yet. I totally disagree. Yeah, I so. Trevor, give Trevor eight, nine drive. I think he shows the world exactly what he can do. There's no, there's no lights that are too bright for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I agree. And also, even if they lose to A&M, they probably still make the playoff because they're not losing anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I just – I think – I don't know. I don't like to take that if Kelly doesn't play on this team this year, then Clemson doesn't win a national championship. Trevor was light years better than him in the offseason, and it took a lot for Dabo to replace him as a starter. But he knew the only way if he really want to win a national championship was to put Trevor Lawrence in the right. starting QB1 spot. Kelly Bryant already proved that he couldn't beat Alabama. He's just not a good enough passer. Well, well, you know, intermediate, he's okay. He's not good in the short game. He overthrows and underthrows a lot. And his deep ball is super inaccurate. So, and he honestly became a run first guy. And that's, you know, he put his head down and run. When his first option, he didn't really survey the field. He would put his head down and he would just go. And that's, as a starting quarterback, that's not what you're supposed to do, especially in an offense like Clemson's, you know, under Tony and Jeff. You just – you got to survey the field. Multiple options are there. When your first option isn't open, you can't just put your head down and run. That's not how good things happen. I don't know. That's that's my opinion. Though. I just think that's the, like the Kelly – I just think the Kelly Bryant thing was just like a non-story. And, like, I know we just spent, spent seven minutes talking about it, but um, it's like something that people talk about when there's not football games going on. And I don't really think it's a big deal. It's like – why would he want one? Why would Dabo give him one? It doesn't matter at all. Well, it's this time of the year. It's like, I, I think someone said it best the other day. I was like, how, what time of the year is it for football? It's like, I'm watching NFL preseason replays on my Sundays. Like, yeah. that's how ready for you for football. That's how ready I am. I'm watching yeah. replays of the Patriots and Jared Stidham play. But we still have recruiting. Recruiting's year long. And we've had recruiting updates the past couple of weeks. And, you know. I know Tank Bigsby was supposed to be a Carolina guy, which you said on the first episode of the podcast. But, you know, what happened with that? I, I mean, I think he just he, – he changes his mind a lot. And, um, you know, I read that he was leaning Georgia and that he was committing in December and it was going to be a, you know, a six-month-long process. and uh, Well, four months, whatever. I'm not good at math. And, uh, and then, you know, he changes his commitment date. And then I read, you know, he's heavily leaning Auburn. So, I mean, and he obviously did commit to Auburn. So, we'll see. I don't think it's necessarily over, especially if Auburn has a bad season and Gus Malzahn gets fired. Um, and Georgia might not have room for him. So, he could still end up at South Carolina. Is it likely? No. But I don't necessarily – I think I don't think Carolina is going to give up on him either. 
Yeah, I'm sure they won't. I mean, Tank Bigsby's a stud. He's like, uh, you know, almost a five star. He's right on the line. Yeah. Is, is he is he a running projected a running back in yeah. college or a linebacker? Running back. Running back. I've seen a lot of places that say have him as an athlete. So. Yeah. He, yeah. He's a he's a running back. Well, big Jordan Birch visited Clemson in Georgia, and it looks like now he's saying he wants to play for a contender. I know that you don't buy into anything that happens in his recruitment for some reason, but I mean, if he wants to play for a contender. That doesn't bode well for, you know, the other team <laughs> and the recruitment. Well, I mean, you have it's Georgia, Clemson, and Carolina, and if if it's if it's accurate, him saying he wants to play for a contender, that's it's not a good sign. Yeah, but it's not. He necessarily didn't say that. That's just been like I, I think most kids want to play for a contender. I mean, but does he think he can turn Carolina into a contender? I mean, obviously, and I think the the hometown stuff is is really important. And I don't necessarily think he's going to go to Carolina. I, don't, I honestly don't know where he's going to go, but I don't, I don't think, I think he's going to go where he's going to, where he wants to go. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't think like thinking about his, him playing with Muschamp's son. I don't think that matters. I don't think the contender stuff is going to end up mattering. You're, you know what? If I could have you be every recruit, I would. I mean, you know, you just go where your heart wants to go, man. And that's, that's what life's all about. Is you got to tell these recruits, like, do what your heart desires. Don't listen to other people. Do what you want to do. That's the best part about it. So, there's your Jordan Birch update. He's going to go where his heart desires. Uh, <laughs> philosophy that, podcast now. Yeah, we're philosophizers. But Justin Flo, that's a big recruitment as well. I mean, Justin Flo, he just got moved down to number three player in the country today. Brian, oh, moved down. Well, Brian Breezy jumped him to number two. So, I mean, but he came to Clemson. He had a great weekend, and the interviews he gave, he said Clemson was still the leader in his clubhouse. He feels good about Clemson. Southern Cal was supposed to be the only other contender, and he eliminated Southern Cal. So, if you're right. Clemson, you got to like your position right now in his recruitment, right? So, his top four he released it were Georgia, Clemson, Oregon, and Miami, uh, which is – I don't know. I, I really had read that Southern Cal was a contender there, and I re- also read the other day that they still might not be out of it, even though he named his, his top four. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the longer it drags on, the the less of a chance Clemson has. You know, like right when he comes off the visit, he's, you know, obviously feeling great because it was a good visit. And if he had, you know, decided to commit um, at the end of the month or something like that, then I would have felt even better about Clemson's chances. But him being so far away, I think the further away from the visit it gets, the, the it hurts Clemson's chances and another five-star uh, more. Yeah, I agree. I think coming off of an emotional high of a visit halfway across the country is way different. I would He did move his timeline up, but at the same time, who knows? A 17-year-old, you just never know what's going to happen. That's the game with recruiting is you get all these reports and all these updates, but you never really know what's going to happen until it happens. But – you do know what's going to happen is that Tate Martell got benched again. Tate Martell benched at Ohio State for Dwayne Haskins. Tate Martell transfers to Miami, and he gets benched for uh, Juwan Williams, Jalen Williams. What's his name? I don't know. Yeah, it's some Williams guy that was a redshirt freshman and benched again. And it's a, it, I get it. I mean, he's probably your size, Jackson, at 5'6", <laughs> five, five, 135 pounds. I mean, imagine you being a starting quarterback, you know, in the power five. I could have been if I hadn't gotten hurt. Okay, and I, I, I don't disagree. I think <laughs> probably you probably could have played, you know, at somewhere like Furman or Presbyterian and been a star quarterback. But that's a different story. Tate Martell was on that the Friday Night Lights – or not Friday Night Lights. Uh, QB1. QB1 on Netflix. I mean, he was supposed to be an absolute stud. 
and he's just been busted. His career's been a total bust up to this point. Yeah, and it's interesting to me, like he, so he thinks he's going to be a starter after Haskins leaves, and then we get the news that Justin Fields is transferring to Ohio State, and he's like, he posts something on Twitter about how you know he's not scared of competition, and then two weeks later he's in the transfer portal. He goes to Miami, and I'm sure he assumed he was going to be the starter, and then there's word that he didn't have a good spring game, and uh, there's word that it's QB competition, and uh, comes out today that he's not the starter. And you know, maybe he, maybe the other guy is not very good, and he comes in and he plays well. But I think if he doesn't get the starting job by the end of the season, he might transfer again. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that he could be out again. What's crazy is that Justin Fields and Ohio State's second string quarterback are in a pretty close controversy right now. Like their 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 uh, their quarterback thing is going. It's like close. It's like Justin Fields hasn't won. <laughs> The competition. I, yeah, I mean, I, I saw that too, but I, I, don't, I just don't see any way he doesn't start week one. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, but the fact that the coaches are coming out and saying, like, it's a competition, it's a full-fledged competition, Justin Fields hasn't, hasn't won it. That, you, know how, you know how it is, though. They could just be saying that so Justin Fields doesn't get too confident. Yeah, and I, coaches do that all the time, but on the surface, it doesn't look great. So, but that's enough about Tate Martell, uh, drama queen, obviously. But the biggest drama queen of all time, Antonio Brown, from hero to villain in just six months. I mean, how crazy is it? You know, he goes from most lovable stealer, one of them of all time, to just prima donna, psycho. I mean, he's obviously got something going on with him, like way deeper than we know. Yeah, I know. And it's like, I mean, a lot of people have been making fun of him, myself included, because it's easy to do right now. But he might be, like, losing his mind. Like, he seems like he's going crazy. I mean, threatening to retire because you don't get the helmet you want? Like, just stop, dude. Like, you're in the NFL. Stop being such a prima donna, like you said. I mean, he almost retired for not being able to wear a helmet his size. That's the most insane thing I've ever heard. And, of course, as soon as he loses his appeal, he puts on Instagram, I can't wait to get back out there. Like, why would you even say you're going to retire? And then – uh, to put on top of it, he got frostbite on his feet because he wouldn't wear shoes or socks in the cryotherapy chamber. He's probably the most uncoachable player of all time. Yeah, and, I, you know, this is, like, the best weekend ever for Steelers fans. Like, they're just so happy that he's – and coaches, they're so happy he's off the team. Thank God. I mean, it's insane. He's gone through the worst offseason of any player ever. Can you imagine John Gruden, like, finding out that he got frostbite on his feet from a cryotherapy chamber. <laughs> like, OJ, OJ Simpson had some bad off-seasons, but I think Antonio Browns might be worse. And Aaron Hernandez had some bad off-seasons. I'm still putting Antonio Browns up there worse than Aaron Hernandez and OJ Simpsons. That's a hot take right there. No, it's not even hot. <laughs> it's just a fact. Antonio Browns off-season has been that bad. Um, One more quick hitter just before we go to uh, – insane tween of the week and wrap this episode up um rookie of the year in the nfl daniel jones <laughs> he, had the, I mean, he had the he had the greatest first drive in nfl history touchdown throw beautiful throw i mean i just take as little as you possibly can from preseason football i think it means it's a glorified practice and they should get rid of it so you wouldn't watch college football preseason is what you're saying no i mean well, actually, that's not true. I wouldn't watch NFL preseason. So why would you watch college preseason? I mean, I would watch preseason Carolina. I wouldn't watch preseason other teams. Like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. They don't play the good players anyway. So you're agreeing Daniel Jones had the greatest first drive in the history of the NFL? 
No, I'm disagreeing with you on that. You will literally prove every hater and doubter wrong when he wins the NFL Rookie of the Year this season. I mean, I would bet you a good amount of money that he does not win Rookie of the Year. I will put $150 he wins on Rookie of the Year right now. I don't have $150. Okay, get get a job. On to the last topic here, insane tweet of the week. Um, there's so many insane tweets on Twitter. There's just so many. Is is the greatest place to find insanity yeah. in the world today? I mean, you just don't believe some of those people exist that tweets this stuff, but they certainly do. So, Jackson, without further ado, my friend, give me your insane tweet of the week. All right, here we go. So we got Mark Ryan at Mark Ryan on air. I'm calling you out because uh, you uh, suck. And um, so he's a ESPN Upstate host. He went to Florida. He got he had some controversy a few weeks ago about the Tavian Feaster thing, saying that even if it makes South Carolina better, they shouldn't take a transfer from Clemson because it looks bad. And he's like, Florida would never take a transfer from Florida State. Well, they did like three years ago, so you're dumb. Yesterday, he tweeted, a media member to me, in quotes, at South Carolina, they do fan day for one hour and they give you a small poster. Here at Clemson, they go for a full two and a half hours in the heat of the day and are handing out thousands of autograph books. They're national champs. They don't have to do this, but they do. That's the end of the tweet. And I just want to tell you this guy, if you're comparing fan days, like football really needs to start because this is just absolutely ridiculous. Nobody cares. Fan day does not matter. Sorry to the 12-year-old kid that got to meet cocky. It, it means nothing. So I don't know why we're comparing fan days. First of all, I don't even think that's true about the hour thing. And why is he talking to a media member about fan day? And why is he tweeting this? It why means nothing. A, why would a media member ever be a fan day? To be right. Honest? And why would he say that to him? Like, like who would, who would tell him that? Uh, you sound like you care a little bit though. Like this is a kind of like, No, I, I care mean, about stupid people on Twitter, like Mark Ryan on air, go tweet him, tell him he's dumb. I mean, it's a, big, it's a big deal when Clemson wins the blood drive. You know, Clemson lost five years in a row to Carolina, but I believe we were undefeated in the blood drive. And those T-shirts were all that mattered to me for a long time. So the little wins count, okay? Where you can get them, you go out there and get those little wins. I sense some sarcasm. A little bit. I have a pretty good one. I feel positive on my tweet. I'm just going to read it. Uh, this is from at David U. Even in death. Some people still resist in all caps. Read this amazing obituary found by my mom who reads them all. <clears throat> From the time Kathy was diagnosed with clear cell ovarian cancer six months ago, she was clear with her family that the cause of death should be listed as the Trump presidency in her obituary. In lieu of flowers, the family asked that donations be sent to whichever candidate secures the Democratic nomination, even if you really wish someone better were running. So, uh, this woman wanted her cause of death to be a Trump presidency. I've seen some pretty insane things on Twitter, but to say a president directly caused your death, even though you had stage four cancer, that's a heck of a take. That is the number one take. That's it. Shut Twitter down because it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, that's it. Who, who, who in their right mind is like, I'm going to blame my death on a presidency and I'm going to, you know, put your fist in the air. Like, I'm going to freaking show them. I'm going to show them with this one. I'm going to get them all. I mean, come on. That, 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 that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, no, I mean, keyword you said in their right mind. I don't think anybody that does that is. 
And I have nothing else to say about this, though. So. I mean, that, that, that tweet speaks for itself. I mean, I'm sure, like, if Clemson football loses a close game in, like, 55 years, I think I'm just going to put my calls of death as Clemson football and make whoever the head coach is feel really bad. Like, oh, his calls of death was Clemson football. Resist. Yeah, I mean, come on. There you that, go. That's the most petty thing you can ever do. I don't know. But without further ado, Jackson, Liam, if you guys have nothing else to add – I think episode two of the Palmetto State Sports Podcast has come to an end. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd like you to go check out all of our sponsors we shouted out. And I'd like you to have a wonderful rest of your evening, morning, afternoon, whatever time you may be listening to this. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, so much. In my mind, I'm gone to Carolina. Can't you see the sunshine? You just feel the moonshine Ain't it just like a friend of mine To hit me from behind Guess I'm gone to Carolina in my mind Karen, she's a silver sun You best walk her away and watch it shining Watch her watch the morning come A silver tear appearing